This program is part of the Infinite Potato Alliance. Visit us at infinitepotato.com. Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Do I sound like I'm wearing a pizza? Hold on to your butt. And here we go. From the historic Infinite Potato Studios, this is Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Hasta la vista, baby. Join us as we dive deep into all fandoms and genres of cinema and television. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. No gatekeeping. No toxic fandom. That monkey's my fly out of my butt. Now, only inches from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew. Just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? Here is your host, Sean Ray. Sean. Shawnee, if you're feeling a little loose. Never the Sean dog, because that's just lame. And I've never been one to chase balls. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. All right, it was a miracle. Can we go now? Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. My name is Sean Ray, and I've come to the realization that there are a lot of people in the world that would rather not admit that if they need to spell the word bananas, they sing a Gwen Stefani song. (laughs) (laughs) Joining me tonight in the socially distanced (laughs) Infinite Potato Studio, we have Rick. How are you, sir? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Normally your opening jokes are, are a grin. Corny. Maybe <laughs> corny. That was good. That was good. <laughs> All right. And Scott is here as well. How are you, sir? I'm fine. <laughs> okay. Before we get into tonight's topic, uh, let's do a few minutes of what are you doing? So what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you playing? Any of that kind of stuff, Rick? Well, y'all are going to be shocked, but today kind of by accident, I watched, uh, both of, uh, the, the, the first two episodes of what if. Oh, really? Would you I like them? I liked them a lot. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my, my daughter and I have a, a tradition that we've been doing Almost since she was born. When she gets up in the morning, we spend a few minutes and snuggle and watch TV. And on school days, we watch educational programming. You know, that's, that's, that's the rule. We, we, I get her out of bed and we sit down, we watch 20 minutes of, of uh, a learning show, we call it. But on weekends, it's whatever she wants to watch. And usually it's some annoying Disney-ish sitcom and I'll, I'll like, watch for a few minutes and then, Oh, the dog's got to go out. You watch without me. And then, you know, she gets into it and doesn't even notice I even come back. But this morning she wanted to, she was flipping through Disney plus or not Disney plus. Yeah. Disney plus. Yeah. Disney plus. And, uh, and you know, a lot of times it's like, Oh, what's that? That's not something you should watch. Oh, what's that? Oh, that's nothing you'll like. But then she saw the, what if and a trailer isn't the right word, whatever they put up on the, on the home screen. Yeah. But anyway, she's like, and I, and I said, that's, that's what if, 
uh, that's, you know, just, it's a, it's a Marvel cartoon thinking she would move on and want to watch something else. And she's like, okay, we'll watch it. And so I, you know, it wasn't like, Oh God, I don't want to watch this. It was just like, this really doesn't interest me at all, but okay. You know, I'll, I'll watch for 10 minutes and then we'll sneak away and, and do other stuff. I was freaking riveted. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the Peggy Carter, Peggy, is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the fact that they got everybody to do the voices, you know, they got, uh, you know, Chris, Chris uh, Evans to do the voice of, of, uh, Steve Rogers. No, they didn't. It, no, was he wasn't. He wasn't in it. It was somebody else. Yeah. Oh, sounded an awful lot like him. Yeah. yeah um, they, they got a good sound alike for him, but, but it, it Hugo was Weaving him. did Red Skull. There's no. There's no missing his voice. Um, they got the majority of the people to come back, but but when when Tony Stark shows up, it's not going to be Robert Downey Jr. I thought he. And, I thought he signed on for it. No, he's not in it. I don't no. believe so. I saw a I list of everybody book. that came back and he wasn't on the list. That oh, I saw. Okay. But anyway, uh, that, that, you know, I love how they told the first Avenger story in, you know, 22 minutes. <laughs> it was every bit as riveting. Now, granted we had seen the first movie, so they could do some shortcuts, but um, it's still, I, I loved Peggy Carter as, as Captain Britain or whatever. And I don't know if that was the name of the character, but. No, they they called her Captain Carter in Captain in Carter. This, yeah, Captain Carter. This one. Captain Britain is a Marvel character, but <clears throat> um, uh, not not in this. Captain Britain. He, he's like a British version of Captain America, mm-hmm. um, but the character's name is Brian Braddock. Okay, but still, I I really enjoyed the episode, and then we watched, and then when my wife came home. Because she, you know, she's big into the Marvel stuff. And I, you know, I was like, if you want to watch What If, don't wait for me. And she had watched the first one. And then when she came home this afternoon, I was like, I watched the first one. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, if you want to watch the second one, I'm down for it. (laughs) So (laughs) we watched the second one, which was awesome. I haven't seen episode two yet, so. I, I won't, I won't, I won't spoil it at all. Do you know at least what the, what the premise is? Yes. Okay. It's. What if T'Challa became with Star Lord instead of Black Panther? Um, and it's tons of fun. I would, I would so watch that movie too. Um, it was a little bittersweet because they did was. bring back Chadwick Boseman to do the voice. That was the last thing that he recorded for Marvel before he passed. Just to, to help, <clears throat> excuse me, help, help you guys feel a little better. If I'm not mistaken, this is not the only episode you will hear him in. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I, I, from, from what I read, he did a, he appears in a few episodes because Chadwick wanted to to do as much in the character as possible while he still had time because mm-hmm. he wanted people to have as much of that character as possible because of the positive impact that T'Challa has on yeah. on the audience. Um, so, if like I said, if what I read is accurate, he 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 did yeah he did more than one. But if if you are like me and you're not steeped in Marvel lore, uh, and you're avoiding this show because because of that, don't. It's wonderful. Yeah, as long as, as long as you've seen the majority of the movies, yeah. You, you, I was worried that it was going to be, you know, if you haven't read four thousand comics, you're going to be lost. 
No, uh, but it's told, very much that, the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that last week that it's going to be uh, based on the cinematic universe and not bring a lot of stuff from the comics. I, don't I mean, pay attention to what you say. I know you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, what about you? What have you been watching or Um, playing or reading or whatever? uh, Well, uh, I will be catching up on the second episode of What If pretty soon. Um, I've been watching, obviously, Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, I just finished um, because they they just released the the finale. But uh, the season finale of Superman and Lois... um, uh, dropped on CW recently, so I I watched that season finale. That entire season has been really impressive. I'm still about I'm about two episodes behind, but I'm going to watch it this I week. I keep forgetting to watch it. I keep forgetting it exists. Yeah, it. Now, have you watched any of it, Rick? Nope. Okay. Um, I you you keep forgetting it exists now, but eventually you're going to watch the first episode of that season, and you're going to remember how you felt the last time you watched an episode of the flash and the differences are going to be night and day and you will yeah. not forget. I, you're sleeping on this season. Now, once you start, you'll be awake. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to write it down. It's, it's called Superman and Lois. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's on and, the CW and, and it is, it is quality. It is a good CW show. has an app. I don't know if you have to have a cable package to be able to watch their app, uh, but no, it's, I, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's just you know free, free on the app or their website. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, it's really quite good. I'm not going to say it's perfect. It does no, suffer from it's some the CW. Of, yeah, <laughs> s- some of the CW Arrowverse drawbacks uh, will show through, but you know compared to the rest of the Arrowverse, the uh, the, the production value on the show is really high, and I've been a fan of Tyler Hecklin as Superman since he started uh, showing up on Supergirl. I I really think he does a great job with the role. Um, so I enjoyed that season finale. Um, I watched the season premiere of Titans season three on HBO Max. Um, they released episodes two and three this past week. Um, I'll be watching those soon, probably Monday. Um and I've been starting a, you know, a, a couple movies here and there. Um, just some random odds and ends movies. Oh, what did I recently do? Um, I think I mentioned not long ago that I watched all five movies uh, in the Scorpion King series. Yes, I did. Yeah. That. Um, <laughs> and it was a great disturbance in the four. <laughs> <laughs> um, like another uh, one or two just odd movies. I think I watched uh, Puss in Boots the spinoff of Shrek. So I could listen to the, uh, we hate movies podcast episode about it. Um, and as my, I have a child, I've seen those movies a thousand (laughs) times and the entire (laughs) TV series. (laughs) Uh, and as something to watch when I, when I come home from work and I make dinner at 9am, I've been starting a slow, uh, not too urgent full rewatch of, uh, the reimagined Battlestar Galactica. Hmm. So I'm about halfway through season one and it, it is just as depressing as I remember. <laughs> wow. This show is bleak. It's so well made, but it's so bleak. 
I've, I've said, I, I think I've mentioned it on this show before. There were times watching that show where I'm like, where I was like, if this wasn't on a spaceship, I would never watch this. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we'll eventually get to the point where I say, if this show didn't have Lucy Lawless in it somewhere, I would stop watching. <laughs> I watched the season premiere of Stargirl this week, and it's still a very good show. I recommend that. That's another one I forget exists. Thank you for thank you for reminding me. I started watching season one recently. I'm about four episodes in. It's really good. It's a really good show. Is it um, a CW show too? It is CW uh, and HBO Max together. So okay. there's a little mo- little more money pumped into it. Um, but it's it's really good. Oddly enough, Superman and Lois looks like more money than Stargirl. At least. At least when I compare their their uh, first seasons to each other, yeah. Um, Superman and Lois looks a lot more cinematic, but Stargirl does look better than, say, uh, Legends or Flash. Um, it it it's good. It has much more of a CW flavor than an HBO Max flavor. So if you say, "Oh, Stargirl on HBO Max," eh, don't get too excited. It's, yeah. it's, it's pretty much a CW show. Yeah, season season one is on HBO Max. If you want to watch season one, the whole thing is on HBO Max. Season two is on CW. So, hmm. but yeah. uh, okay. they put out the first two episodes. I've only watched the first one, but it's it's a good show. I really like it. Um, By the way, and- just just really quick, I'm I'm not going to go into too depth because I can't. But I've been in the room while my wife is watching Titans, so I've seen some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure where she's at. I, I, I don't know what season she's in. Maybe two. They, they, they just got the tower. So I'm not sure where that is in the story. Um, um I, I want to say that if they got the tower that I think they got it at the end of the first season. Cause you know, I don't, I don't want to spoil by saying what has happened, but it's finally gotten to the point now where, I can I can be in the room and watching it and enjoy it as opposed to and and, and okay this isn't a spoiler it starts off with no one knowing who the hell they are and I hate that <laughs> so, <laughs> now everybody knows who they are and I'm fine <laughs> yeah I'm, I think I'm about halfway through season two I haven't watched it in a while I need to catch up on it so I can watch season three um, I've been watching a show on Netflix called brand new cherry flavor that just it just started last week i think and it's uh it's a horror show but it's got a lot of comedy and it's very very over the top and it's got and it's kind of gruesome rick i don't think you would like it um well, well wait 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 i just want to clear up something <laughs> i don't mind gruesome i don't gore doesn't bother me I don't, yeah, but, okay, so the premise of this is there's this girl that she's played by Rosa Salazar that was in, you know, the, uh, Elite of the Battle Angel. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and, she, she uh, was not, she, she was the one who did the mocap for, for Alita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. was, and she was in the, the short trek episode, The Trouble with Edward. She was the captain in that episode. Oh, yeah, she's awesome. She, uh, makes a, she's a girl that makes this short film and, it gets optioned by this big producer in, in Hollywood, but she gets, she gets screwed over. Uh, she wants to direct it and she gets screwed over for that. And so she goes to, uh, Kath, Kathleen, uh, Keener. 
and she's like this witch or something. And she, uh, I haven't seen the whole show, so I don't know exactly what she is, but she, uh, she wants to put a, a curse on this guy. And she had, and she has her payer, uh, in kittens. <laughs> That's not even the weird part. When she wants a kitten, when she wants a kitten, Rosa Salazar's character vomits a kitten up. And I okay. think she, I think she's probably drinking the cat's blood or something. They haven't actually shown what she's doing with these cats yet. But she just says, she just says, "Oh, before you go, I need a payment." And then she starts going, oh, oh, and this little kitten starts coming out of her mouth and stuff. So it's, All right, it's let, let, let me ask you a quick question. Okay, did you watch Penny Dreadful? Uh, yeah, I watched uh, season one. You didn't watch the whole thing. Okay. No, I didn't watch the whole thing. That I loved. I loved every minute of Petty Dreadful. So th- th- there are lines I won't cross, and most of them involve, like, slashers, like stuff that could really happen, or when kids are involved. No, there hasn't been any kids involved so far. But and creepy, this- weird stuff, I'm I'm down for. Okay. Well, check it out, then. It's called uh, <laughs> ba- Brand New Cherry Flavor. It's on Netflix. I think it's, like, I think it's like eight episodes or something like that. And they're only like 35 minutes long each. So, and the, uh, the only other thing that I've been watching is, uh, this afternoon I watched, uh, Snake Eyes, the GI Joe Origins movie, and it was really good. And I think that even if you don't, even if you didn't like the first two GI Joe movies, I, this is something completely different. This is more of a, it's almost like a samurai movie. I mean, it's, it's like a, like a ninja, a revenge movie, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's on my list. I, I might do that. Uh, uh, if, if I do Titans like in the afternoon for lunch, then Snake Eyes might be my dinner movie on Monday. There are a couple of G.I. Joe characters, but it's not, there's not a lot of them. There's only maybe, there's only maybe three or four characters that I actually remember from G.I. Joe that are in the show mm-hmm. or in this movie, you know, so. Did, did I tell you all about our attempt to go see Free Guy this this week? No. Oh, I, I yeah. We was we, it sold out? <laughs> yeah, because well, yeah. I I took Tuesday. I, I I left work early Tuesday so that we could go see Free Guy. Because um, my wife, her Monday, she has Monday and Tuesday off, and we try to go. That's when we go to movies. Is if I can get off on a Monday or Tuesday, we'll go see like the first show. You know, like the eleven thirty show on a Monday or Tuesday, um, and I went to buy the tickets online, and they were five bucks a ticket, which was great. Uh, but then it was also a five and a half dollar convenience fee, so I was like, "Well, screw that. We'll just go and buy them at the <laughs> the box office." Completely forgetting, and I'm utterly embarrassed that it didn't occur to me because I've had to do this in my own damn theater that they can't sell all the seats. And so oh, yeah. when, when yeah. we got there, they were sold out except for the front two rows right in front of the screen. And we can't do We just, you know, I don't know anyone, you know, over the age of 12 who can sit two rows back from the screen and enjoy a movie. No, uh, I can't. So, <laughs> so we're going to try again next week. And my wife is going to go <laughs> as soon as the box office opens and buy the tickets. Tonight, we're going to be doing an idea that Rick had a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're going to talk about movies and TV shows that you once loved, but over time, you've kind of soured on them. 
and you don't like them anymore. And then if you have any that maybe you eventually went back the other way and now you love them again, then that'll be a bonus. So Rick, since it was your idea, why don't you go first? I, you know, I, I'll admit I thought this was going to be an easier thing when I suggested it than it was. I, I, I have plenty here, but, uh, but it turned out to not be quite as, as frequent as I thought it would be. But, uh, I'm going to start with, uh, possibly the biggest, uh, movie that I loved the first, second, third, and even fourth time I, well, third, first, second, and third time I saw it. And then by the fourth, I realized there was something wrong. And that is Star Trek, the motion picture. Um, you know, when it came out in 1979, 78, 78, uh, so I was, uh, 14. A lot of you are, are, you know, way too young to remember the, 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 the empty times between the end of TOS and the movies. Uh, but you know, aside from the animated series, we hadn't seen start any new star Trek in forever. And then we get a movie. And this was also long before all of the, the backstage drama that went into making TMP was, was come, you know, was out there. Um, and you know, I remember standing in line to see it. I know, you know, the movie theater I went to is now a Best Buy. It's not even there anymore. Um, <laughs> but I remember watching it. I remember seeing the Enterprise 40 feet long and 20 feet tall for the first time and just being blown away. And I got that cutaway poster of the of the new Enterprise. I had that on my wall forever. I bought that at the cinema. Um, and, and And then, you know, went back and saw it three more times and the, the, the second and the third time was still incredible. But then I watched it a fourth time and I realized I was bored. And then I left the thing, the, the cinema and, and I'm saying cinema for our British friends, everybody, you know, we, we call it theater is interchangeable with cinema in the American lexicon, I don't like it because I work in the theater and there's a difference between theater RE and theater ER. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different discussion. Um, and I went home and I realized that I was utterly in love with the hardware, but none of the character interactions that we loved from the original series were there until the very end. There was a, you know, a few, you know, lame attempts, you know, the, the, the scene with Kirk and Spock and McCoy in the, in the, in the lounge where McCoy is like, you know, well, lucky we're going your way. And, and Spock just gives him the stink eye. Um, and for years, I was one of the people calling it Star Trek, the motionless picture or Star Trek, the motion sickness. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I was, I, and you know, and I would hear people defend it and they were like, this is the most Star Trek of the Star Trek movies. And I'm like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. It's boring and it's dull and just blah, blah, blah. And then, I don't know, maybe, maybe 10, 12 years ago, I started paying attention to the movie and I started learning about how it was made. And then the director's cut came out and I got that DVD and, uh, and, and I watched it. And my favorite thing about DVDs are the extras that come with them because, and you guys are, you guys are old enough to remember this too. Videotapes, you got the movie. 
mm-hmm. and you got a pan and scan version of the movie. So you didn't necessarily even get the whole movie. Um, and there were no extras. It was just you rented and or bought a video. You put it in your VCR, you watched it, and you took it back. And if you didn't rewind, you were an asshole. Um, <laughs> and then DVDs came out, and they had all of this room for extra stuff. And they started doing director's commentaries. And, you know, this was also long before podcasts. And I used to drive all over Florida for various reasons. And, you know, started off listening to music. And then I would listen to uh, stand-up comedy. Or I would make audio recordings of movies. My Our, our local drive-in movie theater switched from those speakers you would hang on your window to um, they had a, a an AM uh, transmitter. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you would just tune in your, your car radio to their audio. And what I figured out really quickly was if I brought my boombox to the movies, I could make audio recordings of the movies I liked. And they, they do like the double feature of Monty Python and the Holy Grail and Return of the Jedi. It's <laughs> just like totally screwed up double feature, but I listened to those tapes to death um you know i know every word of holy grail i don't necessarily know every scene but i know every word <laughs> every sound effect. so uh you know when i was when i would go on these long drives i would want to listen to spoken word you know i i was a podcast audience long before podcasts existed and when i got the motion picture i recorded the director's commentary from that. And if you get the director's cut, it's not just Robert Wise talking about his experience on the film. It's also John Dykstra and sadly, uh, uh, Collins, um, the pedophile. Anyway, uh, Stephen Collins. Collins, Thank you. So I would, I would, you know, if it was a movie or a TV show that I knew every frame of, like I did the motion picture, um, you know, I would, I would record the audio of of the director's commentary and listen to it while I was driving. And if you listen to the audio, the the director's commentary on the motion picture, and I have since learned way more about it, especially listening to the Fifty Year Mission, which is an amazing book. It's uh, the Fifty Year Mission, the uh, the unauthorized uh, oral history of Star Trek, and it's 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 literally the entire history of Star Trek pieced together by actual quotes from people who made the show. Uh, and I, I just finished re-listening to it. It's, um, it's incredible. If you think you know the history of Star Trek, you don't. It's really worth listening. I thought I knew everything there was to know, and I didn't even know half of it. Um, it's amazing that the motion picture is as coherent as it is, <laughs> given what what it was up against. Um, Robert Wise, the director, who was the director of The Day the Earth Stood Still and other classic films, um, literally was carrying a still wet from the printer's copy to or print of the film to the world premiere. He never got a chance to put it in front of test audiences. He didn't even get a final cut on the thing. 
Um, which is why a lot of the special effects scenes are so long because the, 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 the special effects companies just kind of went, here you go. And they just spliced it in and had to run with it. Yeah. Um, and over the years, I've learned to love the movie. Now, I just like with 2001 A Space Odyssey, I will sit there with the remote in my hand and fast forward through certain parts because, you know, movies moved a lot slower back then. <laughs> and there are, there are scenes where it's just like, oh, for God's sake, will you get on with the story? But, you know, you just fast forward through it. And uh, there's also some wonderful YouTube videos out there of... Uh, reaction shots from TMP spliced in with like porn or movie video music videos or something. It's it, or, or Miley Cyrus videos and stuff. Um, but anyway, I think the motion picture for all of its flaws is one of the best examples of Star Trek in cinema. It's not necessarily the best movie, but as a strictly Star Trek story, I think it's really good. And this is, this is the movie that gave me the idea for this, this, because it was like, I loved it and then I hated it. And then I learned to love it again. And I'm, I'm fully in the camp of, yes, there are huge problems with it. Yes. You need to zip through a lot of sections, but damn, this movie holds up. Yeah, it's one of those Star Trek movies that I only watch if I'm just deciding that I want to rewatch all the movies. <laughs> <laughs> that one in three and five, <laughs> so, which three is not a bad movie. It's just not no, one of my. Yeah. It's not one of my go. It's not one of my go to movies. You know, if I'm if I'm going to watch an original series Trek movie, is it's it's either going to be two, four, or six. Yeah, you know, but five is awful. Five, I, yeah. I I have not learned to love that movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Scott, what about you? What do you got? Um, the first one is well, my my list is in no particular order. It's just you know some some things that I could think of and, and pull out of my hat. <clears throat> so I'm going to start off uh, the 2000 film directed by Stephen Frears, starring John Cusack, High Fidelity. Oh yeah. Who has seen it? Who remembers it? Who likes it? Oh, I That's remember the one where it. he's standing with the boombox outside the girl's window, right? No, 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 no. This is the one where he owned the music store. Oh, yeah. right. I always get that one mixed up with uh, the other record store. Well, wait a minute. No, I think it. No, I, I, Empire Records. That's the one I always get it mixed up. Yeah. With. Uh, yep. I don't think I've seen High Fidelity. <clears throat> wait, is is Jack Black in High Fidelity? Yes. Then I have seen it. Okay. Um, first time I saw the movie, I thought very clever. Uh, the dialogue is snappy. The performances are great. Jack Black uh, does a wonderful job of being abrasive to the other characters, but not so much that he becomes annoying to the audience. Um, he really can, he in this movie especially he definitely threads that needle of being endearing to the audience while being obnoxious to the other characters and not letting the two uh, mix. Yeah. Uh, very impressive on that front. Um, uh, it's, it's edited. Well, you get little bits of like uh, John Cusack's character, like imagining something happening and then they'll back up again and show you what really happened. Um, that editing is done in a, in a very funny way. Um, 
guest appearances by Lisa Bonet, Catherine Zeta-Jones, uh, Joan Cusack, Tim Robbins, Lily Taylor. Um, they all do a wonderful job, and you get some neat, interesting little cameos. Um, uh, Bruce Springsteen shows up for a, for a small cameo. There's a deleted scene with uh, Harold Ramis doing a cameo. Um, that was delightful. Uh, just a, a fun movie to watch. It, uh, it It's relatable in a lot of the ways that it approaches and discusses uh, relationships, uh, breakups, reconciliations, so on and so forth. While at the same time, a a young 21-year-old me would watch this movie uh, with friends. And when the movie was over, we turned to each other and say, we should open our own store. <laughs> Not yeah. records, because we don't listen to enough music. But we uh, comics, we read comics, we should open a comic book store. Um, there's already like a huge one in town. Like, yeah, we'll make another one and it'll be better. You know, <laughs> it, it prompts those kind of discussions. But then I can't remember when the first time was that it happened, but I, after a couple of years of not watching it, I went back and I watched this movie again, probably about, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll ballpark it at about 10 years after um, it was released and I first saw it. And I barely got through it. Watching it again, going back after, after that much time. And the reason that it became so... I, not necessarily offensive, but um, I guess almost repellent to me was, and I don't know how I missed it when I was 21 and I watched it when the movie was new. Then I go back at like, you know, 30 plus and I watch it again. And somehow I realized, man, John Cusack's lead character in this movie is a son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, he was a little dickish. This guy sucks. <laughs> I, there, there's arrogance. There's, there's, you know, a lot of selfishness. Uh, he's, he whines about how things don't go his way while ignoring the fact that he has a lot more going for him than he cares to admit. Because if he admits it, then he can't whine about it. Um, he's, he thinks more about himself than he, than he thinks about other people. Um, even, and there's a scene that calls this out specifically, uh, he and the guys who work for him at the record store, um, are, uh, like elitist when it comes to music. Uh, and anyone who, uh, is interested in, in buying, uh, records at their store. Mm-hmm. And a, a supporting character, I think, who only shows up in that one scene, um, he, he calls him out and says, you guys are snobs. He says, no, we're not. He said, you're, oh, you're totally elitist, man. You look down on anyone who knows less than you, which is everybody. And you expect everyone else to, to know more than they do. And then all, all those characters say, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to agree. And it, it's not just their, their musical opinions, but a lot of it is... Uh, the main character's uh, behavior towards and view of women looking back on failed relationships in the past and wondering, you know, all, all these, the, the, the character makes a lot of top five lists. That's his thing throughout the movie. He's constantly making a list of you know, top five, this top five, that. And one list that carries throughout the film is top five breakups. The ones that, you know, hit him the hardest and had the most lasting impact. 
and throughout the movie, he like revisits the women that, that he's talking about to try to reconnect. And you know, why, why did this work out? Cause he's trying to figure out why am I destined to be left? Why am I destined to be alone? And what the audience sees is as he goes back through all these relationships, it becomes clear to us, Oh, he didn't get left. He ruined that relationship. He blew it every time. Mm-hmm. It's the problem. As the film goes on, he is just almost willfully ignoring the fact that he's the problem and still constantly trying to figure out, you know, what, what's wrong with me that everyone keeps you know, that women keep leaving me in relationships when either he leaves or he drives them away and he refuses to acknowledge it. It's possible that I might've recently gone through a breakup when I watched this movie and realized I didn't like it. I honestly don't remember. It's been (laughs) been quite a while. So I might've just been in a bad place when I was watching it, but his, the, the way his character is constructed and the way he goes about uh, interacting with everyone throughout the film really rubbed me the wrong way last time I watched it because I didn't realize how much, and it, it's, it's intentional that his character is an asshole. Yeah. I didn't realize that until that last time that I watched the film and realized this lead character is not a good enough person for me to want to watch him go through this story, especially when you consider the fact that by the end of the movie, he ends up with the woman that he loves who he doesn't deserve, but she's bouncing back from the death of her father. And she just kind of, you know, needs someone to be with. And that's what sparks are getting back together. And the movie tries to tell us, and they live happily ever after because he learns how to be a better man. No, he bleeping doesn't. You see, Rick, that's how you do it. You say bleeping. You know, he's going to be the same guy that he was before because he's a douchebag. But you do get Jack Black singing uh, Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye right near the end of the film. And he does it really, really well. So that helps with the end of the movie. Everything else is just true. It's It's like Scott Pilgrim. I, I didn't put that on my list because – while it w- it was a fun watch, uh, Scott Pilgrim himself, I didn't get why anybody would want to fight over that guy because he was such a scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> I only watched it the once. I yeah, have it, too. but I've only seen it one time. I wouldn't have watched it at all except a friend of mine. We we were at his house for a Fourth of July weekend, and he's like, "We're going to watch this." I was like, "All right," and it, it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it, I was like, why the hell would any of these awesome women give a rat's ass about this guy? <laughs> because a guy wrote it. <laughs> yeah. As he's pining after uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead because she's cute and completely ignoring and disrespecting his girlfriend. Yeah, Knives was the awesome. And Anyway, that, that's that's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that film, you watch it for... For the guest stars, you watch it for Ann Whitman, you watch it for Chris Evans, and Sex Bobomb is a great name for a band. <laughs> yes, with, with with Allison Pill on on the drums. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I have to. Uh, oh, okay. That's a, that is that. that is Star Trek Picard's Allison mm-hmm. Pill. 
who has the cutest nose ever. <laughs> High Fidelity, they actually made a TV series out of it on Hulu about a I, year or so ago. I did not watch it. I knew it was coming. I knew that it was made, but I just I never made the time to go check it out. I think I might have been too I might have been too scared by the film. Be like, oh, I don't want to see them have you know a girl be the worst. <laughs> yeah, I watched it. It wasn't it wasn't bad, but apparently it wasn't good enough to get a second season because it got canceled. Mm. But it was uh, Zoe Kravitz playing yeah. the character. I mean, playing the, the I guess the character that John Cusack was. But I mean, obviously it's a it's a girl instead of a guy. But um, my first one is a TV show. And it's uh, Under the Dome from 2009. Oh. And I heard I'm nothing a, good about that show. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Stephen King books. I mean, I, I'm not – I haven't read nearly, like, all of his books. I mean, I've probably read most of his big titles, and I've read a few of the lesser-known things. But there's a lot of his stuff that, I've, that I haven't read. I mean, he's just – he's got a lot of books, you know. But – um the one that came out in 2000, the book came out in 2009. The, the show, I said 2009, but I don't think that show came out until like 2012 or something like that. But the book, I enjoyed about 80% of the book. And it's a big book. It's like a telephone book. Um, no, Stephen King writing a 3,000 no- word novel? Yeah. And it was a, all, it was all, a I, all I can say to that, to the length of his books and the number of his books is cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he gets paid by the inch. But, um, that was a, a novel that was, a, it was about a small town that literally had an energy dome form over it one day and nobody could get in or out of it. And it was a really good book for the most part because I kind of like the way that King kind of played around with ideas of how that would work and things that could happen. Uh, what I didn't like was that he didn't plan out the entire book before he started writing it because he admitted in an interview that he was making it up as he went and it showed at the ending because in the, in the book, the ending is basically there's an alien that's playing around like a kid plays with an ant bed. And that's what happened, you know, but the TV show, they announced that, um, ABC was going to do the series. And I was, I was excited about it because I liked the idea of doing a series based on a book instead of doing a movie, because I, my thinking at the time was with a series, you can take more time and you can, you don't have to cut as much stuff out. Now I started watching the show and they were cutting a lot of stuff out. I'm like, mm-hmm. why are you, you're blowing through this entire book. Uh, very quickly, and um, and you're cutting a lot of the a lot of the the details out. You know, you're just kind of giving it a once over. You you're you're not paying attention to the the nooks and the crannies and all that. And and then they announced, oh, there's going to be a season two. I was like, oh, so they're just going to change the book, the ending, and everything, and just keep going with it and everything. And and it got watered down in the second season, and then they started things that were never in the book to begin with. Like they even created a way for them to be able to get in and out of the dome. But for some Doesn't reason, you can't the whole purpose of the, yeah, they had, they had a, like a, like a way that they could get out. But for some reason they can't use that to get everybody out. They, it's just like one person, one person can go out. Nobody can go out until that person comes back in, you know, that kind of crap, you know? So it, it just it lost me about uh, about two episodes into the second season. I was done with it. And 
I've never been able to to develop a liking for Stephen King. I I acknowledge his uh, uh, expertise, but I've tried to read several King novels and I've never finished one. And uh, like I tried to read Christine because I love the movie, uh, and I I think I got two or three chapters in. And it, it was never a matter of rage quitting the book. It was never like, this sucks. I'm going on to something else. It would just be, I'd put it down and pick up something else and just never get back to it. Yeah. And forget I never got back to it. Uh, I had the same problem with it. Now it, the, the problem with it for me was like, I'd read a chapter and it'd be so appalling, not, not appallingly written, but just so horrible, which is what he was going for. Yeah. I, I read a whole other book. And then read another chapter of it and go, ah, oh, man, and read another book. <laughs> and then I just finally stopped reading it. And, it. and it was the same with The Stand. And then I had this, like, epiphany, which was, I don't have to like Stephen King. <laughs> no, yeah, no. It's not for everybody. Um, but I acknowledge that, you know, I have enjoyed some Stephen King movies. So it's not that I don't dislike his stories. I just don't necessarily like his writing style. Same with Ray Bradbury. Uh, yeah. And see, I like I like Stephen King books, but there's very few Stephen King movies that I like because Stephen King will let anybody make a movie out of his stuff. Yeah, you you, you, you cut him a check, and yeah, you can have it. <laughs> and uh, and there have been some awful movies based on Stephen King works. There's been some good ones. There's been some really good ones, but I mean, The Green Mile is one of my favorite. That's, that's a great movie that I never ever want to see again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Creep Show, Creep Show is freaking awesome. The yeah. first one. The second yeah. one not so much, but Creep A lot Show of people don't realize that, that he writes more than just horror. That's just what he's really known for. But he's written a lot of uh I like The Green Miles not really it's got some science fiction aspects to it, but uh, and and fantasy and stuff, and he's written a lot of fantasy, like the Dark Tower series and all that kind of stuff. But he does have a warped up mind when it comes to horror, so that's what he's that's what he's really <laughs> successful with. That's what pays the bills. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and right. then there's of course Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption is wonderful, and a lot of people when that movie came out, a lot of people didn't even realize that, that was based on something that he wrote. You know, I've never seen that. I I, I it, it's. I, I understand it's really good, but it's it's not anywhere near the wheelhouse of stuff I want to watch. You haven't seen Shawshank Redemption? Nope. I cannot recommend highly enough that you give it a go. Yeah, it's a great is, movie. It, it is quite far removed from the genres that uh, that you know people like us would normally watch, but it is. There's a reason that it is so consistently at the top of IMDb's uh, like greatest movies of all time. Mm -hmm. It, it really is an achievement when it, when it comes to, to movies, it's, it's outstanding top to bottom. It's hard for me to find fault. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, it's I, a great movie. I tell you what, John Irons, I, I know you, you can't hear us right now, but you will listen to this. You understand what I like. <laughs> if John Irons tells me that I'll I'll enjoy the Shawshank Redemption, because <laughs> nobody and and, I, and this is this is I I consider it very bizarre but impressive. 
nobody I know gets my music, my my movie taste better than John Irons. Well, I'm going to send him a message real quick. Question. <laughs> Do you think Rick would like the Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> um. Now, one, one thing I do think is funny about the Shawshank Redemption is that Morgan Freeman's character's name is Red, and it's because the character from the book is an Irish guy with red hair, <laughs> and they just <laughs> but they just keep the name. <laughs> they just keep the name Red. Because, like you know, I, and maybe the the the, the similarity similarities are so totally superficial. Sorry, I'm having trouble talking. Um, but like uh, um, um, raising Arizona bored me to tears. Not nearly the same thing. Raising Arizona is a comedy. I know, and and <laughs> like people are like, "Oh, this is the greatest comedy ever," and I'm like, "No, it isn't." <laughs> <laughs> the Coen Brothers are a flavor of their own. I mean, you got to like Coen Brothers stuff to be able to. If you don't like Coen Brothers stuff, then you're not going to like Coen Brothers stuff. I, I mean, like, that's I like some of their stuff, but yeah, uh, Raising Arizona did not do it for me. They're they're the ones that did they did the Royal Tenenbaums, right? No, uh, that was. Uh, uh, Wes Anderson did. And OS, yeah. I, I always get them mixed up. I don't know why I like the the Royal Tenenbaums, but I did. Um, I shouldn't. It's totally not a, 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 a me movie, but I enjoyed it. Well, what's the next one on your list? Okay. <laughs> okay. This next one broke my heart. Literally. Well, no, all right. Literally isn't the right word, but it just, it just, it so saddened me. Because I found it a few years back in the Walmart We Can't Give These DVDs Away bin. Um, and it was Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, yeah. And I love Mel Brooks. Not as a person, not biblically, because <laughs> I don't know him. But, I, you know, I think that Young Frankenstein is a perfect film. Uh, I loved the producers. I really like Blazing Saddles, um, and Spaceballs. 90% of Spaceballs is awesome. And so when Robin Hood Men in Tights came out, we all saw it because, you know, I was a, a medieval reenactor and a theater person. And so Robin Hood Men in Tights just ticked off a whole bunch of boxes and we loved it and we quoted it and we, and it was, you know, it was wonderful. And then I, you know, like I said, 10 years ago or so found the movie in the, in the, you know, the, the $5 bin at Walmart. And I was like, yes, bought it, brought it home and put it on. And my God, that movie does not hold up. <laughs> not at all. It's childish. It's, it's silly, but not in a fun way. Um, it's really clear that Mel Brooks had, had, you know, it was, these jokes were funny when I was 20 and they're <laughs> still funny now. And it, it just, you know, there's, there's a few moments that are still wonderful. You know, Carrie always like, you know, other, like, unlike other Robin Hoods, I can speak with a British accent. 
you know, uh, uh, Patrick Stewart coming in at the end as, as Richard the Lionheart is fine. You know, it, it I think the pro, the biggest problem with it is it's a spoof of a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, because Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, I probably, I think I've probably said this on this show before, you know, when the, the, when the lead of your film is the weak link, you have a problem. And Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves could have been a great movie if they'd cast anyone other than Kevin Costner as Robin Hood. Um, and Men in Tights was more was pretty much a spoof of that film, but it, it just it just doesn't stand up in my opinion. Um, and I I hated that because I loved it so much when it first came out, and then watching it again and going and seeing how childish it is, it it uh, it just it broke my heart. It really did. I haven't seen it since I was a teenager, so. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it's it's weird because I've heard somebody else recently, like a YouTube video or something, of somebody saying the same thing that they went back and rewatched it, and it was not, it didn't hold up. I feel like I'm I'm part of a, a rare breed that never loved uh, Men in Tights uh, in the first place. Um, I think from the first time that I saw it, and it was still fairly new at that point. Um, I was viewing it a lot like Rick eventually viewed it, which is a lot of these jokes, you know, they're, they're simple. They're predictable. It's low hanging fruit. It's, you know, they're old timey jokes. They're not, they're, they're not edgy. They're not creative. Um, now I, I realize that I hold Prince of Thieves in higher regard than most people. Apparently, um, yeah, I'm not going to say that it's a great movie, but I think it's better than a lot of people think it is. Because I can look It past. could have been a great movie. Everybody is yeah. awesome in it except Costner, and that kind of pulls the movie down. Yeah, and, and I can look past that. I don't know how or why, but I'm just able to, you know, I'm, I'm able to give him a pass and watch the rest of the film. Um, but Men in Tights, I just, I, I never loved it in the first place. I think it was... Men in Tights was the first example, and Dracula Dead and Loving It was the second example of um, of Mel Brooks no longer being the the you know creative comedic dynamo that he was yeah. in in days past, and he's becoming just a well. This joke will probably be funny to some people. Yeah. <laughs> now you see, I remember, and and I I liked. Dracula dead and loving it when it came out. And now I'm afraid to watch it again because <laughs> I don't want to spoil that. I didn't even know that was a Mel Brooks uh, movie. Yeah. Dracula dead and loving it. It was yeah. one of Leslie, uh, Leslie uh, Nielsen's last ones, wasn't it? I, I think if you count all the direct to video schlock that he did, not really. But as far as like theatrical. <laughs> Theatrically released <laughs> films, yes, it's probably close to the end for him. What about you, Scott? What have you got? Um, all right, this one. Some people might consider this, you know, a hot take. I don't know, but uh, I'm moving to television for this one. Uh, thought it was great the first time I watched it. The first several times I watched it, I thought it was really, really good. But. I find myself, and I didn't even have to necessarily go back and watch it again to realize that I was losing my taste for it. 
just thinking about going back and rewatching it um, had me realizing I don't really think I need to because it, it isn't holding up as, as well as I wanted it to. And that would be Firefly. <laughs> I'm done. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll say I've only watched Firefly. I watched the whole series one time. And so I don't know how I would feel about it if I went back and revisited it now. So same here. Um, it, I'm not going to say that if I went back and watched it, I would think it was bad, but even, even making the, the solid effort to divorce the series from the creator, I still think that I would find it a bit lacking. And it might be because, uh, Joss Whedon's writing style and you know the way he would construct his stories and the way that he would construct and develop his characters. He was not the only one doing that at that time. A lot of people were doing, uh, were creating stories and characters that were similar. I, I think primarily because he had such success with it. A lot of people were trying to ape his style on television. Uh, if not at that time, then following Buffy, Angel, and Firefly. Others were starting to pick up on those cues and do the same thing. And if that goes on for too long, it can get a little tiresome. And I know this is going to sound weird coming from someone who's such a big fan of the writing of Aaron Sorkin, but when every character that that your show is populated with is the most clever, most snarky, most witty, and uh, and most charming person in the room. It can <laughs> it can get a little much. Did when you ev- see the pilot at the uh, Firefly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've seen them all many many times. Because hmm. I I remember when the pilot aired, I watched it. And I didn't like it. I had to be dragged into watching the series. Well, hold because, on a second. When, when you say the pilot, which episode are you talking about? I, I, I don't remember what it was called. The the first, the, the, the series pilot, where we see the end of the war and we see, and, and Mal is just an absolute asshole to everybody. Except for, uh, um. Oh, Zoe. Zoe, yeah. Um. And I just remember now, granted, I was, you know, I was a lot younger and I was like, this captain's a dick. I don't want to watch this show. Uh, and then, you know, once the series started, once it was picked up, Whedon way backed off on, on Mal's assholiness. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, it like, like Sean, I only watched the show once I own the box set. It's in a book. It's in a box somewhere. I'm afraid to watch it again for exactly the reason you're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you know, and and I felt that way long before we found out what an asshole Whedon can be. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why I, whenever you, uh, people stop sharing stories from we got this covered and giant freaking robot saying that they're bringing Firefly back, it's not happening. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's never. It's not, it's not going to happen. Never, never, never going to happen. 
and 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 it's it's been never going to happen for a long time, long before you know the the whole Whedon's a douche to work with um, came out. It, it it's it's just practicality. Everybody that worked on Firefly is doing other stuff. <laughs> and well, we all gonna... we live in the age of reboots, so I mean, it's but, very yeah. possible that a reboot can happen, but I don't well, think yeah. that's going to happen either. Not but, with but that's uh, not, what not with Whedon anyway. So. That, that you know, for for years it's been like they're gonna bring the gang back together. I'm like, no, they are absolutely not. <laughs> Nobody's gonna put that much money to get these people back in one room. Yeah, Nathan Fillion is off doing you know other TV projects, and occasionally he's getting uh, put in movies by James Gunn. Um, Alan Tudyk is spending like you know 29 hours a day doing voiceover work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Baldwin is apparently an asshole. Yeah, and we don't need Ron, him back anyway. And Ron Glass is dead. So, you know, what do you want? What are you going to do? And well, his character's Glau. dead, too. Yeah. What? His character's dead anyway. He died oh, yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Summer Glau, I will watch anything she's in, and she hasn't done anything for a while. Um, uh, Zoe, oh, God, I can't remember her name. You know, Gina Torres. Gina Torres, yeah. yeah. She yeah, she's see, awesome. She, I'll watch anything she's in, but I haven't seen her in anything. You know what's she's funny? On, uh, she's in nine one one. The text nine one one Lone Star. Yeah, really. She's oh. one of the stars of that show. Yeah, yeah oh, that's okay. right. She, she's in that. She was on Suits for a while, and I think they tried to give her a spinoff from Suits on USA. I don't think it lasted though. And um, um, you know what's funny is both Gina Torres and uh, Jewel State. Firefly wasn't the first thing I knew them from. Jenny no, she Torres. was in Cleopatra. Cleopatra twenty five twenty five. Well, like, no, day. no. <laughs> yeah, she was. Jeez. <laughs> no, I I first saw Gina Torres in Angel. Right, right. Uh, where she was like the the epitome. She was like a demon who was like the epitome of beauty, and I was like, yeah, I'll buy that. <laughs> um, and I knew Jewel State from Stargate Atlantis before I knew her in in Firefly. No, she did that after Firefly, but yeah, I know. But, if you, if you saw it before then, then yeah. But yeah, and, I I didn't watch Firefly until uh, I actually I saw Serenity, the movie, before I saw Firefly. Oh wow! Which was very confusing because when I finally watched Firefly, I kept waiting for Summer to become this badass ninja. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, nope. not so much. And and if you want to talk about attractive people, do you know who Gina Torres is married to? I used to. Um... Go ahead. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. He's not that attractive anymore. <laughs> who is? Who the hell is <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne? <laughs> Gina Torres, that's who. <laughs> Lucy Lawless. Yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> and, and Ming-Na Wen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and Michelle Yeoh. Okay, a lot of people still are. <laughs> uh, my next one is Spider-Man 3. I don't know like what that it was. The first time? <laughs> yeah, because and I tell you, I tell you why I think it was because I went to see it at like a premiere event uh that like one of the radio stations in town was putting on and the theater was jam-packed. I mean, Every seat has somebody in it. And I think it was a communal thing. I was laughing at all the parts that the movie wanted me to laugh at. 
and I, I was enjoying the movie until the third act because that's what I think it, it wasn't necessarily the first time that I watched it, but the second time when I watched it on video, when I was watching it, not with an audience, when it got towards the end of it, I was like, they have completely wasted the entire Venom saga because they wanted to jam it into this movie. That's got two other storylines going on at the same time. And, uh, and then that CGI Venom at the end was just, uh, I mean, you can't do Venom without CGI, but that was bad CGI. <laughs> like I said, sometimes when you watch a movie with people, it's a different experience than when you watch it by yourself. And then you can start to see all the flaws. Um, so I think that's what happened with Spider-Man three. Now, when I was watching it, I was very aware that this is not as good as the first two Spider-Man movies. Definitely not as good as Spider-Man two. That was, that was the best one of the trilogy, but there were, there was enough stuff going on that I was enjoying that, you know, I was able to get through it. So I get nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It, It was hard for me to, to try liking that movie the first time around. Yeah. I, 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 my research for this show tonight was basically going through Wikipedia year by year from 1980, from 1979 to now. Cause you know, my memory isn't, my memory was never good and it's <laughs> far worse now. And so I was going through each year, just, just going quickly through the movies that were released to try to, you know, get an idea of movie and, and the Spider-Man movies were there. And there were a lot of movies that I was like, oh, that's a good one. And then I remembered, no, I didn't like it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go around and do one more okay. uh, each. So what, what you got for your last one, Rick? All right. My last one is The Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. Now, I am not a huge fan of Disney films. Uh, I saw a few when I was a kid. Uh, a lot of the Disney animated quote unquote classics I've never seen, or if I do, I did, I don't remember, you know, Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, all that crap. Um, but I saw the little mermaid. Um, and it, okay. I was working at a, at a, at, at a junior college. Uh, I was staff. I was not specifically forbidden to date students. Um, and there was this one student there who kind of caught my eye and I thought it, it might be fun. And so I asked her out. Um, the age difference wasn't terrible. This was a long time ago. Uh, it wasn't like creepy or anything. Um, but I said, you want to go see a movie? And she said, yeah. And I said, what do you, you know, what do you want to see? She said, the little mermaid. I was like, all right, fine. And at the time it was cute. It was fun. It was silly. It was very well animated. And then I forgot about it. And then 20 years later, I'm a dad and my little girl wants me to read the little mermaid to her. And I start reading it and I'm like, this is the most horrible story to read a girl ever. <laughs> yeah. Because aside from the cute, you know, this is a, you know, what do you call this thing? Buddy Hackett, the seagull and, you know, all these cutesy songs and stuff. 
you've got a story about a girl who doesn't even meet a guy. She just meets his unconscious form and then changes her, not not just her lifestyle, but literally changes herself because she thinks she's in love with this dude. Mm-hmm. And the more I read that story to her, the more I hated it. And eventually she got old enough that I was able to tell her why I didn't like it and why I would not read it to her anymore. Uh, I think it's a terrible story. Um, at least what Disney did to it. You know, Hans Christian Andersen's original story, there are horrific consequences to what Ariel decides to do. Uh, yeah, she like, gets turned into like sea foam or something at well, the end well, of it. And, and, and she gets legs, but every step is like walking on broken glass. And it's just, it's horrible. Like a lot of the fairy tales from that era are because they teach a lesson about, you know, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for, basically. Yeah. Um, but Disney scrubbed all of that out of it and turned it into this cutesy, you know, change who you are for the man you want and life will be happily ever after. And I just despise everything about the movie. Yeah, it's problematic. And that's, that's one of the things that you don't really notice until you're grown, you mm-hmm. know. Quote, unquote, true love is the only thing worthwhile in this world. Yeah, like like the fact that she specifically uh, cites the fact early in the film that she's 16 years old. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they made a sequel to it, too. Yeah. Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, what about you? Um, well, uh, I almost included uh, Short Circuit in my list. I almost but, did too. <laughs> but then I realized the only reason it would be on there is because of Fletcher Stevens and his problematic uh, portrayal. Exactly. Same. Here. Have you ever heard the story <laughs> about why he did that? Because Pro- he, he originally, um, I heard an interview or something with somebody from that movie. He originally went in and was just playing a character that didn't have an accent at all. And then like a producer or the director, or somebody came up to him and said, Hey, can you try it with an Indian accent? Sure. Okay. They did an Indian accent. The director loved it. So that's what they went with. <laughs> Wasn't even supposed to be an Indian character. <laughs> Yikes. Very problematic um, in 2021 though. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that would be the only reason for it to go on the list. So it doesn't really count. Um, I have three other contenders. I'm going to throw them out. And I want you guys to pick. Okay. Um, either the original Voltron cartoon. Never saw it. The Police Academy film series. Wish I hadn't seen them. <laughs> or most any Jean-Claude Van Damme film from the 80s and 90s. Go with the Police Academy. <laughs> police, police Academy. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I was young, the Police Academy movies were his. Hysterical. Kid me and kid Tom would watch them a bunch. We would have them on on videotape, especially Police Academy Four, Citizens on Patrol, um, and you know we would watch them frequently because they're funny movies. The first one is the only one that had boobs in it. All the rest were either PG or PG thirteen, mm-hmm. so it's not like they're bad. 
Um, and it's you know it's goofy cops doing goofy things and and with goofy jokes and then there's Bobcat Goldthwait. Ah! <laughs> it's it's a fun time. They're, they're they're fun movies to watch. But then you give it a couple decades of not watching them, and then you go back and you give it another try. These movies ain't funny. <laughs> they're not funny. We we were giving. Mel Brooks and Men in Tights a hard time because he was going after low-hanging fruit and easy jokes that didn't take a whole lot of effort. That is top to bottom all these movies. Yeah. With the possible exception of the first one where the jokes were probably you know pretty simple and, and easy to see coming. But when the first one was new, those jokes weren't necessarily old yet. And it was the first time that we had seen the concept of, you know, set up a comedy film about people who are in the police academy. And as the movies go on, you almost don't realize that in a film series called Police Academy, it's no longer about a police academy. It's about the people who were in the police academy 10 years ago and graduated and became cops and were still following them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's another thing that I, that I did in the past couple months is I went through the entire police academy series, even the seventh one mission to Moscow. And the, uh, didn't they do a TV series? There was a TV series. There was a a live action TV series and an animated series and a cartoon. Yeah, I remember the cartoon too. But I remember there being a live action series. But it's probably one of those things that they probably made like five episodes, and I'm just remembering it being on. It got it, it a full season. I don't, oh, okay. I don't remember how many episodes uh, they made, but uh, it was it was more than five. It got a season. It just didn't get picked up for a second one. Um, with, if I'm not mistaken, Michael Winslow as the only holdover character from the movies into the live action show. I I was just going to ask, am I the only one that just, I I just, while, while his, his talent is impressive, his omnipresence for a while on everything just was annoying. (laughs) It's like, okay, he can make noises. Yay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I, that was he. He had his fifteen minutes as as the guy who who makes uh, you know sound effects with his face. Um, yeah, he he blew up with the police academy movies. I know he was in Spaceballs for a scene, mm-hmm. and then he had a stand up career that uh, got a lot of mileage from the fact that he was the police academy guy. He Unfortunately, an album of him like pretending to be musical instruments, and and it's like. It, it, it's a five minute gag that got dragged. Into, uh, yeah. I didn't know he had a, he had an album of all that stuff. I know that, um, in police Academy six, yes, six. Um, there was a scene with him and the Steve Gutenberg replacement played by Matt McCoy end up in, um, in a bar with a, with an open mic. So Michael Winslow's character jumps down onto the stage and just, you know, starts doing some, some comedy for the, for the crowd. They cut to a different scene. They come back and then there's him putting on a fake wig 
and like a fake Afro wig and a little headband. And he does uh, an impression of Jimi Hendrix, which is basically just him making Jimi Hendrix guitar sounds into the microphone. Mm-hmm. And it, it took me a couple of years to realize, Oh, that's not something for the movie. That's part of his stand-up act that they said, Hey, do this in the scene, do your stand-up in the movie. And we can eat up a couple minutes that way. And unfortunately, Michael Winslow's star faded eventually. And apparently he has a hard time accepting that because he still, if anyone wants to book him for any sort of an event or an appearance, he is charging a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. He's got, he's on cameo and he's, he's getting a little bit of, of, uh, success on, uh, he's making a little bit of money on TikTok. But, uh, yeah, other than that, <laughs> which, I mean, those one minute videos, that's about, you know, that's about the, the, the level that you need of Michael Winslow. <laughs> I, I'm curious to see what I had, cause eventually I will get around to watching, uh, the, um, I don't know if it's a, like a sci-fi channel movie or if it's from the asylum. Uh, but Steve Gutenberg did do a direct video, um, uh, sci-fi film called Lava Lantula about, <laughs> about tarantulas coming up from the core of the earth, uh, through volcanoes and whatnot. Um, so that's Steve Gutenberg and Lava Lantula and then eventually returning in To Lava To Lantula. Oh God. Oh my God. Co-starring Michael Winslow and, uh, 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 uh Marion Ramsey who played Hooks in Police Academy. Yeah. So he's got two of his police academy alums alongside him for the for the second movie. I will watch the both of them, and I'm interested to see how that turns out. Probably <laughs> more enjoyable than going back and watching any of the police academy movies because the jokes are so elementary, they are so bottom of the barrel. Uh, I, there's sexism, I, there, there's there's misogyny, there's racism, there's a lot of cultural insensitivity in almost every joke that these movies make, it's embarrassing to go back and watch the police yeah. Academy movies well, and see that's the eighties. Wow, <laughs> this is, this is what America thought was funny. Yeah. Not just what they thought was funny in the eighties, but this is what they thought was funny ever. It will make you shift uncomfortably in your seat. If you watch them, I dare you. <laughs> the end. <laughs> All right. The last one on my list is Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> and I, I, I don't really know what to say about it. I was, I was so excited for this movie, and I think for a long time that I just convinced myself that it was good. Uh, I saw it at least three times when it was in the theater. <laughs> I bought it the day that it came out on video. I watched it over and over and over. It's not a good movie. When the opening crawl starts talking about trade negotiations, you know there's something <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and then there's racial stereotypes in the very first scene. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's bad. J- Jake Lloyd does not give a good performance. And it's not necessarily his fault because he was like a nine-year-old kid. Uh, and he was trying to deliver George Lucas writing from his mouth. Um, <laughs> Which Jar- very few people can. Yeah. Jar Jar freaking Banks. 
<laughs> Which at the time, it so they it was kind of revolutionary to have a completely CGI character that's like one of the main characters of your movie and everything. But if you go back and watch this now, watch Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor when they're talking to Jar Jar Binks. They, they're staring off in the space. They don't give them anything to focus on. <laughs> they don't even, you know, uh, a lot of times they'll like hang a tennis ball or something, give them something to look at. I don't even think they're doing that. They just look like they're just staring off into the void while they're talking to Jar Jar. Yeah. Um, I, it it shocks me, but the the special effects for the original theatrical release of episodes of the I'm, I'm going to say the original trilogy, the original original special effects hold up better than the prequel trilogy effects hold up. Yeah, because George Lucas had had himself convinced that the filmmaking of the future, everything was going to be CGI. Because episode three was filmed entirely on a soundstage. And and all the backgrounds and everything were all CGI. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was moving in that direction from this movie. You know, uh, which there are some 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 stunning visuals in the movie. But the but the story was bad, the writing was bad, and the acting for the most part was really bad, and you, bad acting from good actors. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a prime example of you know good actors can only do so much with uh, with the material that they're given. Yeah. So I try, try to try to imagine what we would have gotten if we had bad actors in all these roles. Yeah. The only enjoyable thing that came out of this movie was the pod racing game that they released for Nintendo 64. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole time you're watching the pod racing scene, you're like, this is so for a video game. Yeah. Yeah. This is a NASCAR race. (laughs) I I remember seeing the Phantom Menace for the first time. Um, I had concerns getting, because, you know, when when we, the, the first trailers, the first teaser trailers, were just, you know, special effects shots. And it was like, oh, wow, this looks really good. And then we started to see Jar Jar in commercials. And I was yeah. like, I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wasn't planning to even see it opening night. I was like, all right, I'll see it. You know, it's coming up. This is the weekend. I'll, I'll you know. And then, uh, we were, I, I was living with my friends, Kim and Todd, the, um, you know, they, they had a house and I was, I was there. I, I rented a room from them. Um, and our friend Trish calls us at like 1030. She's like, I'm online for the Phantom Menace. Get your asses down here. <laughs> and it was like, you know, Thursday night or whatever that, you know, for the midnight show. I was like, all right. So we all go down there and I'm thinking, all right, this is going to be cool, right? And I'm trying to psych myself up for it. And we go in and we watch the movie and we came out and I was just like, I hate life right now. (laughs) (laughs) I could not even convince myself that what I had just watched was any, you know, you it was, I mean, yes, Jar Jar has become synonymous with, you know, with, with ruining a movie, but you know what was the scene where I gave up on the film was when Amidala gave R2-D2 a medal 
for fixing the goddamn ship during a battle. <laughs> and I'm like, he's the equivalent of a freaking toaster. Do you give your toaster oven a medal for making your bagel especially crispy this morning? That's his what he's built for. He's <laughs> was just Yeah, like, but that oh, toaster's got God. personality. Personality goes a long way. <laughs> it just it, it was just so stupid. And My antivirus program found an infection today. I threw him a party. <laughs> And, you know, a a lot of people gave me crap about it. It It's like, oh, you just need to lighten up. And over the years, I have tried to watch that movie again. And I know that someday Sharon's going to want to watch it. I went to the theater again because before Disney bought Fox, uh, Fox decided that they were going to release the entire series in 3D. And they were going to release that didn't happen. They were going (laughs) to release one every year. But the only one that they released was episode one. Mm-hmm. And then the and then the the Disney buyout happened after that, so I took my son to see it because he had never seen it. Uh, I wanted to see it in 3D, and I just wanted to see Star Wars on the big screen again. I didn't know if I was ever going to get to see it again, so we went to see it, and I had not seen it in several years before that. This was probably ten. This was two thousand and uh, let's see. This, when did the Disney thing happen? In like 2014. So this would have been about like 2013, I guess. And uh, so it's been several years since the movie had come out. And I'm sitting there watching it. And I'm like, the, the, I don't remember the pacing of this movie being like this. It's, it it just doesn't feel like it's paced right. <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 like the scenes seem shorter than they did the first time I watched it or something. But it was the same movie. It's just mm-hmm. you know it's. I was just it's seeing, you know, seeing the flaws. Yeah. I think there were three types of people uh, walking out of the theater when this movie came out. Um, there are going to be people like Rick who walked out of the theater thinking, man, that sucked. How far have we fallen? This was horrible. And I'm sad now for what has happened to this uh, series. <laughs> so there that, were, that sums it up well, yes. Yeah. There were people who walked out of the theater genuinely enjoying the movie. Those are fans of the prequels. They still like the prequels. They think they're quality films. And I can't say they're wrong because I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. I don't want to poop in anyone's pudding. If they like it, they like it. And they're allowed to do that. (laughs) So some people walked out having enjoyed what they saw, thinking that it was high quality and it, it carried on the tradition of Star Wars, uh, in a, uh, in a worthwhile way. The third type of person, that's where Sean and I fall into, which is people who watch the movie. Deep down, we knew it wasn't good. We knew that we didn't like it, but we told ourselves that we liked it because we were not ready to admit defeat. We we weren't prepared to admit that it was not a good film. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's about right. <laughs> By the way, I just realized something. I was incorrect in what I had said before about The Little Mermaid. That date was The Lion King, and we had a good time. The Little Mermaid was when I a, a first date for somebody else that I was not a student. John just sent me a message and said he thinks that you would like uh, Shawshank Redemption. If you like Forrest Gump, you'll like Shawshank. I didn't. You didn't like Forrest Gump? I thought it was long and boring. I don't think that... I don't really think they're comparable. I, I mean... <laughs> 
<laughs> Except they're both good movies, but <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate the the, the quality of for it. It's kind of like The Godfather. I can appreciate that it's a very good movie. I didn't like it. I hated everybody in it, and I didn't care what happened to them. I didn't. I didn't have that experience with Forrest Gump. I just thought it could have been like you know an hour shorter. <laughs> <It just bored laughs> <me. laughs> the screenplay. The screenplay for Shawshank is so eloquent and at times very poetic. The cinematography and the production values are rich and 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 full and oh, it's it's a wonderful piece of filmmaking. And it's not even a full novel that Stephen King wrote. It was a, a hundred page novella that he wrote called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption mm-hmm. that they made that movie out of. Yeah. And if if nothing else, we have to give Shawshank credit for being um, the origin of. Morgan Freeman as the uh, omnipresent narrator for everything. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you hear Morgan Freeman or a Morgan Freeman sound alike doing any, I'm not even going to try it. I'm not, I'm not going to do an impression, but doing some type of, you know, voiceover narration for anything. And it, it, it's almost, it, it's almost a trope now, a gag, a, a, a stereotype where if you get a voiceover, you want a Morgan Freeman type to do your voiceover. This is where it started was this movie because he, he does voiceover for uh, the entirety of the film. And this is the first time that, um, that someone used Morgan Freeman in that way. That's where it all started. Yeah. And And he's never been better as far as voiceover stuff. It, it never compares. You know, you know where where I know Morgan Freeman from. Spider Man. No, <laughs> the Electric Company. The Electric yeah. Company. He was Easy Reader on the Electric Company when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why we say Spider Man because he. <laughs> I remember I used to have an LP of uh, of Electric Company Spider Man stories in audio format with Morgan Freeman doing the narration. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't in, you know, Spider-Man, where are you coming from? Spider-Man. Nobody knows who you are. Yep. <laughs> yep. hundred percent. And Rita Moreno. Um, be still my heart, Rita Moreno. You'll like, uh, Clancy Brown is in, uh, Shawshank Redemption too. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. The oh, brutal sorry. captain of the prison guards. Yep. Hmm. All captain- right. Captain Byron Hadley. Oh, it's, it's it's a great cast. Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman, Clancy Brown. Yeah, but it's a prison William, movie. William Sadler. William Sadler. Yes, indeed. It's not a prison movie like a like those uh, Saturday Night uh, Girl Fight <laughs> prison movies or no, something like that. But, no, that's. But this is a prison movie. I mean, actually, it's not like it's not it, like uh, Cobra or something like that. You know, Sylvester <laughs> Stallone in prison. It's a uh, this movie has substance to it. <laughs> you're, you're, you're thinking lockup. Cobra is a different Stallone movie. Okay, right. um, but yeah, it's it, it's not a prison movie. It's a it, it it's a a character study and a examination is what is what I was trying to say. It's a character examination and a character drama. It just happens to be set in a prison. Mm. Yeah, I'll think about it. <laughs> Let me let me just just for shits and giggles. Let me it, see it, where it it's... does. It just doesn't sound like it's something I'll enjoy. It it's the kind of movie where I I want to ask you to approach it like you would a television show. Start the movie and give it like a certain amount of time, 
And if it doesn't, if it's not drawing you in and making you want to continue watching it, then you know, turn it off. But I think it's one of those, if you start, then you'll, you'll want to finish. Streaming on HBO max. That's where it's available. Okay. Well, we have reached the end of our episode and now that it's almost over, you are, you are free to head over to patreon.com slash infinite potato and get lots more great stuff. Uh, like early access to episodes and monthly, uh, the monthly reviews that we do of some classic movies that we like to make fun of while we're watching. And, um, we have three tiers. You can join for $3 a month or you can join for five or $10 a month. Then you'll be listed as one of our producers, such as, uh, Bullet Bengal, Jeff Hughes, Tom Corcoran, Del Goodall, Brandon Ushio. Thanks a lot for your donation. That, uh, goes a, a long way towards helping us. Uh, pay for things like StreamYard that helps us bring a better quality podcast to your ear holes. Rick, thank you very much for being here tonight. Where can we find you? Oh, uh, usually in an alley somewhere or sleeping under a bench. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or you can find me here on the Infinite Potato Alliance where you can hear my show, Starbase 66, or Open the Iris, the Stargate SG-1 show, or uh, the Prime Direction where I talk to people about their Star Trek stories or Captain Game Show on occasion. Um, and this, whatever. Oh, and that, that Star Trek podcast, too. Yeah. All right. And Scott, thank you for being here. Let everybody know where they can find you. Hey, hey, hey guys, we should we should open a store. <laughs> Not like a music store because we don't do enough music, but like a, like a podcast store. It's like the we other can, podcast store, but it'll be better. And then we can make a movie about it. and We can call it Clerks. <laughs> <laughs> I can be heard in various places right here on the Infinite Potato Alliance podcast network, including uh, uh, this very show, uh, Cosmic Potato, also on that Star Trek podcast, occasionally on Captain Game Show. Uh, you can hear old episodes of The Prime Direction hosted by me, and you can stay tuned for my upcoming podcast, I'd Watch That for a Dollar, which is currently in pre-production, where I will sit down either across the virtual table or right here in this very studio to discuss a movie that I purchased on Blu-ray or DVD at my local dollar store. Yeah, they got plenty of movies over there. Um, <laughs> uh, movies are current, or episodes are currently in production, uh, soon to feature uh, Rick from this very episode of this very podcast. Uh, John pain. Irons is going to be sitting with me for one. I got a couple local friends that sit with me for a couple of them. Uh, it's it's going to be a wonderful time. Once we start uh, releasing season one of that, if you're tired of listening to me, but you want to see some of the work that I do, you can head over to www.planetrisecreative.com. That is my own website for my graphic artwork, where you can see uh, social media avatars, posters, wallpapers, uh, desktop backgrounds, uh, banners, and so on and so forth. A whole bunch of stuff over there. Go check it out. If you like Star Trek, I got plenty of Star Trek stuff. And if you don't feel like going to the website, find me on Twitter at Planet Rise. And most of the logos on this network came right out of his computer. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of that network, if you want to find out, uh, if you want to find how to contact us, you can go to our page that's over at infinitepotato.com and you'll find links to our Facebook page or our Facebook group, our Twitter page and all that good stuff. So uh, go and check that out at infinitepotato.com. 
be sure to join us next time right here on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, when you might hear Rick say, you might hear John say, If more than one tooth is teeth and more than one foot is feet, then cowboys wear beat. Period. End of story. <laughs> I'm just reading what I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Fredo's going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss. Help the show grow by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. Or support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash infinite potato. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie. Be sure to join us again soon on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast, brought to you by InfinitePotato.com. Goodbye. This concludes our broadcast day.